This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hi, I'm Hanif Baharuddin and this is GG Well Played, the show that talks about all things video games. We're at the end of February, which means another monthly roundup featuring our friends from gaming website kakuchopore.com. Content Director Jonathan Leo joins us to summarise the biggest news of the month. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's do that. There's actually a lot of games that came out for this particular month. Like, I remember the funny news where a few months ago, a lot of games were basically being delayed or pushed back because they don't want to crowd February. So, yeah, let's get to it. Um, to start off, Wordle was purchased by New York Times company for an undisclosed seven-figure sum to its creator. So, if you're wondering why Wordle is getting harder with each passing day, you know why. <laughs> <laughs> owned by the New York Times. They basically up the difficulty. So my only pro tip here is try to use five-letter words with as many vowels as possible just to cover the bases. Gender, that's my only pro tip. I mean, just mix and match, basically. That's... I mean, apart from that, you're on your own lah. I mean, do you play Wordle a lot, Hanif? Uh, just a, a bit here and there, like, just to, I guess, give it a try. I mean, it's fun, but... It's something that I don't necessarily like spend time on, to be fair. I mean, I, I did give it a try here and there, but yeah, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it's now the Dark Souls of uh, <laughs> word games. Yeah, but, but, but what a story, right? I mean, for this guy, you know, selling it for like seven figure, that, that's kind of like, you know, a good story sometimes. I mean, as much as you don't like corporations taking over, you know, I guess sucking the soul out of smaller developers. This is a good story, at least for, for, for the creator, right? Yeah, for the creator and his wife because he actually built it for his wife and then people just took it up and they loved the game. So it's pretty awesome. It actually catches on, you know, like it's a very rare feel-good kind of story. So I believe the couple are set for life with the seven-figure seven sum. So that's good news. Yep, yep. So moving on to more decent news, the Uncharted movie finally, finally came out after years of development hell. And, you know, a lot of script passing around back and forth and directors changing hands and actors changing roles. So the movie stars Tom Holland as Nathan Drake and Mark Wahlberg as Sully, his mentor figure type character. And of course, the movie made back US 139 million worldwide. It did alright in the US, but of I think worldwide, it's getting better and better, I believe. There's going to be a sequel according to Sony Pictures despite all the negative reviews from critics. I guess people really like these kind of like National Treasure and Tomb Raiding kind of movies. Um, what do you think about the Uncharted movie? I haven't watched it yet and that's only because I am usually still a bit sceptical towards games-based movies. And um, I yeah, I saw the review and actually I was a bit curious as well but I haven't had the time to actually watch it. And like for me, a game like Uncharted is already cinematic as is. It so is. I don't understand the point of actually uh, having... I mean, granted, you want to always get new audience um, and that's fine. But it's just that the game itself is already cinematic as is. So I feel like it's a bit yeah useless for them to actually yeah, create a, a, a you know, movie out of it. So... Yeah, yeah, I actually saw it and it's actually kind of harmless. I mean, it's not the greatest movie ever made, obviously, but it's basically like a passable Tomb Raider, Errol Flynn kind of adventure film with some really decent set piece action bits going on. They even took a really popular Uncharted 3 action set piece and put it, worked it into the movie. So, And Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg, they're fine. I mean, I'm not saying it's the greatest film, but given that we've seen a lot of crappy video game movie adaptations this one 
stands out just fine. And I'm glad that, you know, Sony Pictures has like a franchise they can bank on, you know, and go from there. So who knows? Maybe the sequel might actually work out the problems of the first film and go from there because I want to see Sony Pictures and having PlayStation games getting made into better films. So there, I mean, it's a good, it's a good kind of good kind of story in that sense. Yeah, I thought the casting was a bit off, but I guess yeah, people have been saying that you know both Wahlberg and Holland were kind of okay-ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a mix. It's a mix reviews for that. Like some people don't like Tom Holland's exposure. Some people were okay with it. I'm okay with it, but my writer may not be. So it's like half half basically. And other pieces of news include esports to be a part of the 2030 Commonwealth Games. This literally came out yesterday, so that's good for esports. I believe the first esports pilot will be in 2022, the Commonwealth Games in UK, with its own separate branding, medals, and organization and whatnot. I believe this is just basically leading up to, because there's going to be the 2022 Asian Games happening in Huangzhou, China, and that will feature an exclusive esports bout with six games, if I recall. So I believe it makes sense for the Commonwealth Games to follow suit, in a sense, with the pilot happening, I believe, this year. Yeah. Okay, separate meaning that they won't be parked under the main 2022 Commonwealth Games, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like a pilot. You know, like how they have a pilot episode for a TV show before they go for the real, commit to the real thing? Mm. I believe they're going to be doing just that. So it's a good first step. Lah. It's a good first step to have esports be recognized bigger and bigger with each different step. Like with Dota 2, Mobile Legends, and any other mobile or first-person shooter co-op game that you can think of that requires team play and, you know, representing countries here and there. It's cool. It's cool to see, I mean, you know, getting represented that way. And if you're a fan of Dragon Age 4, um, take heart that the Dragon Age 4 will be is still in the middle of production from Bioware, according to EA. And they're prototyping a new Mass Effect as we speak. Mass Effect, the new Mass Effect, I believe is probably part 4 or like a new subtitle. It's still in the prototyping phase, according to Bioware. So that's also good news for those who want to see a return to Dragon Age and Mass Effect. Gamers Hideout is launching a blockchain gaming guild with Playcoin Asia. There's a lot of it being talked about here and there. You can check out Gamers Hideout's Facebook page for more details about that. Near Automata, the anime, has been announced a couple of days ago. There's no release date yet. It was on the Aniplex Japanese uh, YouTube, announced on the Square Enix special near... I think a uh, five-year anniversary of the game itself. So that's good news for those who actually want to see the game because the game itself is cinematic as it is with a story and action RPG action going on. So it's interesting that they're going the anime route for this, especially with Yoko Taro's way of directing games. But it'll be interesting to see how it's animated. Maybe it might be taking a unique spin like how the late Satoshi Kon tells his stories. So who knows how will that turn out? Are you a fan of Nier by any chance? Um, I've played Nier Automata, but I have not finished it. But it is a very interesting game, I would say. And um, I'm glad just to see that the franchise is still alive. Um, I guess people are still doing things for the franchise. I mean, in this instance, they're doing an anime. Um, do you know whether they have like they have like plans for a sequel to Nier Automata? Uh, not as we speak. Not, but they are going to bring in the Nier brand to different games. Like they did this a couple of. I believe it was a year or so ago in Final Fantasy XIV, like your special Nier-themed dungeon and raid. And they're bringing in Nier Automata weapons and skins in the upcoming Babylon's Fall from Square Enix and Platinum Games. So this spin-off is basically like what people would want, definitely. And basically, where, where do we go from here until they make a sequel to another Nier 
why not just have an anime recapping the story from Near Automata? Like maybe you can show new bits that weren't in the game itself or maybe a flashback to the old Near because Near and Near Automata is confirmed like they're they're linked linked to each other. So it'll be interesting to see whether the anime will take like a either it'll be like a full fledged limited series on Netflix or it'll be like a 24, 26 episode kind of season thing going on. Like with your Full Metal Alchemist or your Couple Bebop or any of those uh, serialized anime. Mm. But this seems to be the trend also, right? If I'm not mistaken. I mean, I'm beginning to see a lot of like, you know, game developers going the anime route. I mean, with, with not only Resident Evil, but also yeah, um, League of Legends, uh, Dota. It seems to be a trend also, right? It's a good trend, but then you got to pull it off well. I mean, probably the worst example is probably Scarlet Nexus. The game is great. The anime... I'm very confused as to why they actually do this when they actually have the story in the anime itself. Uh, sorry, in the game itself. Mm. But the good example is definitely Arcane. Basically, it just makes a story out of the characters and it's still in the same world. It's like an origin story for some of the characters and it's just engrossing to watch. It looks great, phenomenal to look at and the story is great too. So you got to have good writing, good characters, relatable characters and a plot and, and also the animation style that actually attracts you your eyes and, you know, make it a visual feast. And moving on, we've got Call of Duty news. Call of Duty will skip 2023, a first for the annual franchise because Call of Duty Vanguard did not sell really well, according to Activision. (laughs) So they're skipping a year just to, you know, recoup, take a break and whatnot. And we also got the Dice Awards 2022. They announced the winners with Ratchet and Clank Riff Apart winning a bunch in animation, art direction, and technical achievement. It Takes Two, the co-op game last year, won Best Game. And Unpacking, an indie game, won Outstanding Achievement for Independent Game. So congrats to the team who made Unpacking. Did you check out any uh, like Unpacking by any chance? That's a very yeah, it looks game. very interesting. I mean, I'm now a bit curious to, to I guess, give the game a try. Like, yeah. I mean, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just, it looks very menial, but at the same time, it looks pretty interesting as well. So it's definitely something that I would check out. All right, the last two pieces of news. There was a new Nintendo Direct from Nintendo on February. It announced a lot of RPG remakes and remasters. We've got the Chrono Cross remaster, which has both Radical Dreamers from SNES back in the day, and the PS1 Chrono Cross with new graphics and remastered 3D and text and whatnot. Life for Life, which was a Super Nintendo game last time, now being made with the HD2D remake like with Octopath Traveler. I believe that's coming out middle of the year. There's also going to be a Front Mission 1 and 2 remake that has no release date, but it's announced, it's official. And they also announced Xenoblade Chronicles 3 from Nintendo's side, which is coming out on September this year. So that's good news for anybody who loves RPGs and JRPGs, whether it's old and new. And also a good excuse to buy a Nintendo Switch because the previous Xenoblade games were really good. So part 3 will... I think part 3 is going to be really connected to the past two games, so you kind of need some... I think context is required to fully enjoy part three. That's my prediction. Mm, yeah, just just uh, I guess following up on what you said uh, just now. Um, a few years on, um, is it still a good time to perhaps consider getting a switch? Uh, let's say you don't have a switch. Uh, yes, right now would be the best time to get a switch because if you can't find, I mean, think about it this way. I believe the next gen console from Xbox and PS side, as much as they have games, if you want to look for exclusive JRPGs that you want to play on the go. The Nintendo Switch is the best place to go. You got Shin Megami Tensei 5. You got the two Xenoblade games I mentioned. You've got these remakes I also just mentioned, like Life Alive, the HD remake, 
and Chrono Cross, the remaster that's also coming out on the Switch as well. It's all multi-platform, but the Switch would be like the best place to play it if you're on the go. And a couple of other GRPGs I probably missed out. I mean, there's also The World Ends With You, Persona 5 Strikers, and a couple of others that are also exclusive. I believe Bravely Default 2, that's also worth playing on the Switch as well. There's a lot. There's too many to mention. Uh, one more question. Um, like I, I think if I'm not mistaken, Nintendo officially, like they finally have a presence in, if I'm not mistaken, Singapore and Thailand now, right? They had their presence in Singapore for quite a while. Oh, okay. Through Maxsoft. But officially, they've made an appearance in Thailand and Malaysia. So now there's a Nintendo Malaysia. So that's good news for people who want to deal with Nintendo. And we'll see how it goes from there because it's just that happening. And then we don't know whether it's going to be affecting retail pricing all around from Malaysia or we got to wait for more news about what this entails because so far it's just an announcement. That's it. And the website. And uh, one last news, Street Fighter Six is officially announced. Well, it's more like a tease. So it's like an announcement for an announcement because they only showed off like a small CGI teaser of both Ryu and Luke, a new character from Part 5, coming in. They're about to fight and then the title comes out. People are actually commenting more about the game's title because it looks like it's like a icon on, on, your, on your smartphone app. And then there's like a number six, which is, you know, it's probably six notifications or something, right? <laughs> but generally, the only big news I know about Street Fighter 6 is it's running on the Resident Evil engine. That's not really clarified officially, but it looks like it's going for that engine. The same engine that's running RE2 Remake and Resident Evil 8 Village. And... There's going to be more news on Street Fighter 6 on summer 2022. My only wish list for this game is that it has a solid launch. Because Street Fighter 5, as good as the game is right now, it had a terrible, terrible launch and season 2 follow-up. Because it was bare bones. I only wish that Capcom take all the time we need for Street Fighter 6 release it in its most perfect state as possible. Then after a year or two, then you can release the second edition. La. You know, that's how, <laughs> that's, how, that's how these companies, that's how Street Fighter runs. So it, it's, it's a universal law la, at this point. Yeah, apparently a, a veteran developer, I forgot his name, is coming back to help develop this game, right? Yes, he was actually the guy who directed Bayonetta 2. And he left Platinum Games three years ago to come work on Street Fighter Six. His name escapes me. I'm sorry about that. You can look it up. Director for the Bayonetta 2. And you can go from there. It's really good that he's actually going to be on board. He, he's also involved with Devil May Cry, if I recall, back in the day. And, oh yeah, he was involved with God Hand uh, back in the day as well when it was under Capcom before Studio Clover split up with Platinum Games. So that's good news. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Like, basically, it's like a Platinum Game guy who used to be at Capcom Platinum and then now he's back at Capcom again so the times are really changing it's interesting like how it's coming full circle for this director mm. are you looking forward to this game obviously I mean you're a huge fighting yes game, right? I'm a huge fighting game guy um, I believe the next game we're going to be talking about in the game section is going to be a fighting game that's for sure oh yeah uh, speaking of fighting games um, there's they also announced the Capcom fighting collection which features Street Fighter the Dark Souls series Cyberbots another fighting game with robots and also Red Earth which is a fighting game single-player RPG hybrid from Capcom, which uses the rare CPS-3 board back in the arcade days. It was a 90s game that came out because CPS-3 was used to combat piracy, but it kind of backfired. as a whole history of that that you can find on YouTube about that. 
But basically, this is the first time Red Earth is coming out legally in English. Because back then, you had to play it through a ROM. And, you know, on a meme and whatnot. So, <laughs> it's good that you can actually buy Red Earth, you know, for a cheap price. Correct. And that collection looks pretty interesting as well. Like, I've never played the Darkstalkers series, so I'm quite curious about it as well. It's basically Universal Monsters fighting Street Fighter style. It's pretty awesome. And they introduced a bunch of new mechanics that, you know, Street Fighter adopted, like um, the EX move meters, where basically you can power up a move, like a Hadouken, to a slightly powerful Hadouken. They introduced that mechanic in from Darkstalkers itself, the EX move. So yeah, it's it, Darkstalkers has a really rich history of introducing some new things that Capcom implemented in your mainline Street Fighter titles and also other fighting games followed suit. Lah. That was Jonathan Leo from KakuchoPure.com looking back at some of the biggest gaming news from the month of February. We're going to make way for some messages. After this, some of the games that were released this month, including Horizon Forbidden West and Elden Ring. Stay tuned. This is Gigi Well Played on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, you're listening to GG Well Played. I'm your host, Hanif Baharudin. Content director from Kakuchupuri.com, Jonathan Leo, joins me in our monthly roundup of news and games that were released this month. We ended our news summary earlier by looking at the announcement of Street Fighter 6, and we feel like it's apt that we start our roundup of games by talking about the latest iteration of a fighting game from one of its closest competitors. Uh, yeah, King of Fighters 15 came out in uh, the middle of February. It's a three versus three fighting game. You pick characters, or teams of three, you fight enemy, you fight your opponents online. That's a story mode, but people play this mostly for the competitive side. There's rollback netcode for this game. The mechanics are really solid, although you have to be a veteran King of Fighters player to actually get the hang on the mechanics. The game doesn't do a great job of explaining all of this. In fact, you have to look up on YouTube for the main mechanics is King of Fighters 15. But generally, this is the King of Fighters game that everyone is jumping on board because it has the best roster of the game so far. The fighting is great. It changes a little bit, but still retains what makes it great with the speed and the zoning, the footsies and the speed play of KOF. And it controls great too. And it looks also great as well, like with the stunning... They, they use a different art engine, the Unreal Engine and whatnot. So it looks, I guess, more fleshed out and more colorful this time around. And I believe that's it. I mean, if you are a big fan of KOF and fighting games, this is the game for you. If you're a casual player, you might want to actually do some research about King of Fighters before getting into this particular 15 iteration. Mm, all right. Okay. Yeah. I think that's that's a good tip for I guess, especially for people who I guess maybe perhaps are feeling a bit nostalgic and want to like get into the franchise again, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. Another game I want to bring up is Oli Oli World. It's a 2D skateboarding game from Roll Seven. Really challenging, but it's kind of chillax in the sense with the French style music and trip hop and a lot of like the lo-fi chillax music coming in as you're skating in what seems to be like an adventure time kind of skateboarding world. It's a world called Ratlandia and you've got like ice cream scoop people with heads, bees running around holding billboards and tree people walking around. It's, it's kind of cute. It's like a very fun, chillax, colorful game that's also challenging. Yeah, the artwork looks quite gorgeous as well. So and I'm sure it's kind of fun, right? Yeah, yeah, it is, it is. If you're like a kind of player who likes to keep track of score and like to try, it actually starts off really mellow and then it gets tougher in the fourth, fifth and sixth world respectively. 
But it's a really fun time. It's a really fun time if you're into like a chillax 2D skateboarding game. I think you might want to talk about the next game we're going to bring up, Horizon Forbidden West, that came out middle of the month as well. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I'm still playing the game, so um, I've just started like, I think maybe five hours in. But obviously, I'm glad to be back, to be back into the Horizon world. It's kind of like, you know, meeting a lot, uh, an old friend that you haven't met in a while, <laughs> considering that I haven't played Horizon Zero Dawn for such a long time. Yeah, it's like, you know, that, that feeling of, you know, coming back to a world that you've left for a bit and then you came back and, you know, it gets a bit nostalgic, but at the same time, the sense of, I guess, uh, amazement at things is also like, still like, oh okay, this is kind of fun, you know. Um, actually, yeah, looking forward to, I guess, continuing playing the game after this. But yeah, yeah, I mean, um, so far, story-wise, it's still pretty early, so I can't really say much about it as well. But, you know, it's good to see the game... Um, changing up the mechanics a bit, you know, introducing uh, extra skill sets and whatnot. And also more robot dinosaurs and monsters to kill, right? Of course, of course, yeah. It's just that, yeah, I, I can't really say much at this point in time. Uh, have you finished playing it? Oh, no, I haven't actually touched it. I've only touched it for 30 minutes before I had to review and play it, the the last game we're going to be talking about. But basically, my reviewer did play through the entire game. It took about him like 30, 40 hours to finish the story with, with a bunch of side quests here and there. He enjoyed it. He gave it a pretty high score. He said it's basically just Horizon Zero Dawn, just a little more extra and more monsters to fight. It's like more of the same, but still fun. That's his summation of the entire game itself. So definitely worth a purchase if you have a PlayStation 5 or even the PS4 version, which will load, of course, slower. But at the same time, the art direction is stellar from Guerrilla Games. So props to them for making a beautiful world and with a bunch of beautiful monsters to fight. Alright, yeah. And moving on, I guess you can't wait to talk about this big game, right? I guess we got two more to talk about before the big game. Like, the one, one of them is Dying Light 2, an open-world action game where you parkour in a world full of zombies. Really good game. I'm fine with the story, although a lot of people are complaining about the narrative. I thought it was fine. There's quite a number of bugs when I played it the first time around, but hopefully the patches that came in fixed all that. It came out on the first week of February, Great game. I love the parkour system, especially when I unlock the dropkick power-up to defeat the zombies. Got different melee weapons and whatnot. It's, it's, that's a lot. That's a nice world to explore. Like, divided into, like, the toxic zone to the city to the bazaar and whatnot. And you get, like, nice items like the parachute or the grappling hook to get through the game. And, of course, you got some tense moments when you actually are being chased by zombies at night. So, that's a little bit of a challenge right there. That's really fun. And speaking of challenge, there's also Sifu, an indie game that came out, I believe, on the same week. No, the week after Dying Light 2. Yes. You want to talk about that? Um, I already spoken about it uh, in another episode, but I guess yeah, oh. it's just worth reiterating the fact that I struggled to actually complete the game and I struggled to actually play the game only because I feel like it's a bit difficult, at least for, for a casual gamer like me. <laughs> Have you finished playing the game? Uh, yeah, I did. It's really fun. I basically had to replay quite a lot of the stages and figure out the mechanics. Uh, great controls, great fighting, although very challenging, that's for sure, although it's been nerfed recently because oh, okay. of a couple of updates from developers slow clap and I like the art style especially when you know when they're representing different elements for each different stage like if you look at it closely one character represents earth one character represents fire and so forth and so forth it's really cool I like the aesthetic the art style and the fighting as well the challenge as well as figuring out how to defeat certain bits of areas as well as unlocking shortcuts but generally my only pro tip here is to try to unlock as many of the dragon 
power-ups. If you have to take the long way to get the dragon power-ups, do that. Instead of like taking the shortcut straight away. Like, I guess one tip I can offer is for the first stage, I believe there are three dragon statues you can touch and get your power-ups in. I suggest taking the long route for the first stage if you want to start really young. And basically don't die in the first stage. Like, if you want to save up all your debts, maybe save it for the last stage, which is the fifth stage. That's all I can say lah. Like, I, when I played it on my, probably my 20th, uh, no, no, my 15th run, I basically had all my, aged up from 30 to like 50 in the last stage. Because, yeah, the last boss is, it's pretty tricky for me lah still up to this day. But the rest of the bosses are fine. I got through them after maybe six, seven, eight hours of figuring out the mechanics and the boss patterns. Hmm, yeah, I, I I think like the key is patience and also yeah, uh, I guess spending a bit of time on it to to properly understand the mechanics, right? Yeah, patience and reflexes. Yeah, that's important. Oh, and the best the best power up to get, like you know, like when you have your like, your points, uh, your, your exp to level to get the power ups. The most the best permanent power up is the one where it's called environment mastery. So basically, you can use anything around you as a weapon, like the chair and even the stool or tables or whatnot. Oh, okay. That's a good tip. That's a very yeah, good it's tip. Really good. It's really good. It's really good. Because you, it's not just weapons. It's also just the environment. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Okay. Let's talk about the Elden Ring, I guess. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna, we've been delaying that. Yes. So Elden Ring is a From Software game that came out days ago. I was lucky enough to actually get a review copy seven days before the game came out. And full disclosure, I've spent 50 hours on it. Haven't finished it. But I can honestly tell you that it's a well-designed, great game that deserves all the praises and the high scores it gets. The highest possible score it can get. It's tough. It's challenging, yes, like a Dark Souls game. But unlike those previous iterations and sequels, uh, prequels, in Elden Ring, if you're stuck at a boss, like if you're being gatekeeped by a boss, you got the rest of the world to explore and, you know, take your time off and explore to power your character up and find hidden secrets and also other new weapons and maybe even an item that can help you with a particular boss from a special merchant. I'm being as vague as possible because the game literally came out a couple of days ago and I don't want to spoil anything. But what you've seen so far from the trailers and like the green land that you're in, Limgrave, that's just like, I guess, 10% of the game. This Elden Ring is vast. Is very big. It's epic. It's like, if you want to use the word epic for any game, use it for Elden Ring because it deserves that moniker. It's well-designed. You've got like the Metroidvania kind of like search action system going on in the game. Like, you know, you unlock a shortcut here and there to get through places easier. It's all there. Your steed, a uh, magical bolt horse thing called Torrent is very useful. He's great for combat and exploration. And there are little little touches here and there that makes the game bearable. Like, if you kill a group of enemies, specific group of enemies, you refill your flask. And you know your flask is used to heal your HP or your mana. And, oh yeah, it can also fast travel to any of the sites of grace you unlocked on the map. I mean, apart from certain dungeons where you cannot teleport out of trouble, most of the time you can. So use that. And yeah, uh, the exploration bit and all that and finding different secrets here and there, that's a lot to discover in Elden Ring. And I also like the fact that the map itself is like vague. If you want to unlock everything on the map, you have to find the map piece that's always in every section of the game. 
But to mark stuff and to remember locations of shopkeepers and areas, you have to do it on your own. The game does not give you a quest tracker like in Horizon Forbidden West or any of those Ubisoft sandbox cut copy pasta kind of games. So Elden Ring teaches you to be exploratory as possible and to jot down your own notes and you know explore in your own pace and write down things on your own because it's not going to hold your hand as much as possible. You have to basically learn to be a better player in Elden Ring. And that's why I appreciate about Elden Ring. It actually teaches you to be a better video gamer and a better player as you progress through the challenges. And you feel really, really good when you outsmart or outkill, outwit a foe, especially a big one, like the gatekeeping bosses before and after Stormvale Castle. It's just epic. It's great. It's well done. Yeah. One way or another, I guess it delivers on the hype. But you you didn't actually fall to the hype as well. No, right? I did not. <laughs> um, truth be told, the only real Dark Souls game I finished was probably Dark Souls 1, and that was 2011. Like the other Dark Souls games like Part 2, Part 3, Bloodborne, and Sekiro, I've only played about a couple of hours, and I'm like, maybe this is not for me because it feels like it's following the same template from Demon's Souls and Dark Souls, but just more and more on that. Elden Ring just feels completely different which is ironic considering that it's taking a cue from games like Grand Theft Auto and Horizon and Ubisoft and insert your favourite open world game like it takes mechanics from that but just make it a bigger Dark Souls and just a lot more and also having a steed you know to help you with combat and movement which is required you really need to work on basically that it's good stuff. Basically, in other words, it's really good stuff. Yes, it's really good stuff. Does it change the open world genre? Considering that, I think I, I saw a lot of people saying that that it perhaps I guess um, expands uh, upon you know how the open world game has been I guess you know developed prior to this. I guess the closest comparison to Elden Ring is probably Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, but I feel that Elden Ring is superior because your weapons don't break after every five seconds or five minutes. <laughs> And the challenges in Elden Ring, they really do make you feel better and it's more rewarding and outsmarting enemies, especially when you know your odds are tougher, it just feels better in this sense. I mean, it's it's also richer, it's more mystique, whereas in, I guess, Breath of the Wild, it's like, yeah, kill Ganon, that's all you need to know and nice graphics and nice gameplay, but all the other little irks and quirks in Breath of the Wild just basically pissed me off to no end it irritated me to no end whereas Elden Ring I expected a challenge and I got it and it goes beyond that and I talked about the overworld right there's actually another underworld in the game as well which you actually find early on which is pretty tough to conquer at your current pace so there's that as well too so there's like main quest stuff and optional stuff as well so there's a lot to unpack about Elden Ring and without going to spoilers it's vast, it's great, it's rich, and it's challenging as heck. Do, do you think that it's a perfect entry point for players who have never played any Souls-like game? It is, yes. You can go into this without knowing anything about Dark Souls. But of course, expect a challenge and expect to be tested. <laughs> That's all I can say. I kind of wish that From Software could put out like a demo for the game for you know any platform so that people who know what they're getting into, if they're very confident about the demo, they can buy the game, you know, like, in a sense. But generally, I mean, just know what you're getting into. Because I'll be honest, it's not for everyone, but for people who accept the challenge and want to get into Elden Ring to be a better player and to appreciate video game design more, 
this is the perfect game that does that, that encapsulates all that, at least for 2022. Hmm. Um, is it a bit too early to perhaps put it in the game of the year category? <laughs> it is definitely on one of my game of the years list, but I'm going to be fair and wait for the next next uh, 10 months or so because, you know, <laughs> the, the year hasn't finished yet. But let's just say that Elder... I mean, a lot of other games, they have a lot to live up to because Elden Ring basically took our once-in-a-lifetime kind of like 100 out of 100 full score rating for on our website. <laughs> Oh, wow, okay, that's great, that's great. All right, okay, um, anything else you want to add? I believe that's it. Basically, the short take of this is, um, if you like fighting games, get King of Fighters 15. If you like a challenge and you want something that's great, but also punishing, play Elden Ring. If you want a short punishing game, play Sifu. <laughs> if you want an easy, chillax kind of game, Oli Oli World. Dying Light 2, if you like zombie games and open world. I guess if you like kind of fun games. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And if you like a PlayStation exclusive, you got Horizon Forbidden West. Yeah, a little bit of everything for everyone, right? <laughs> yep, <laughs> definitely. It's a very packed. I think I've there have been some games I talked about. I mean, I talked about on the website that we didn't bring up on the show because of uh, you know lack of time and everything. But yeah, if you want more on that, you can check our website on thekkp.com. You're tuned in to GG Well Played and I was Jonathan Leo, Content Director at Kakuchopori.com summarizing some of the biggest news and releases from the month of February. Like he said, if you'd like to check out more news and games, you can head over to their website, Kakuchopori.com. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, look for the podcast on bfm.my, our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play and you can also find our podcast on Spotify. Do share your thoughts and the games that you play via our email, ggwp at bfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Sanif Baharudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on and please take care. This has been GG Well Played. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.